Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Francois Lanthier. Francois, you want to give everyone a bit of an introduction to yourself and we'll get into this. Sure. Yeah, so some of your listeners might know the Wright Club, so I'm quite uh, associated with the Wright Club, Sarah Larby yep. and the team. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm a full-time real estate investor. It's been a year and two months now, so very happy. Well, depending on when you post this, but over a year, let's say. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I started in 2016 investing, so it's been a little while, almost eight years now. And if you've heard me on other podcasts, my mom was my first tenant. So interesting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, so you want to walk us through maybe the your 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 story, like how where you started investing and how the progression went to yes. investing outside of your local area? Absolutely. Yeah. So the first purchase, like I said, my mom was my tenant. So my wife and I, we've bought and sold many houses. We've done a lot of flipping. We have an interior design background, so we love finding old houses and things, but we never thought about making it a real investment strategy. Like we always did live in flips and bought the ugly house, fixed it up, sold it. Two years later, we did it again and again. Our kids have lived at 21 addresses, I think now. So but at the same time, there's no like taxes to that, right? If you stay there long enough, right? That's what we did. We always did over a year. So we were fine or we had multiple residences. So no one could really know where we actually live. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the serious investing started in 2016. So after selling a house, we um, it was actually in Quebec. I'm not Quebecois, even though my friend, my name is French and I speak French. I'm not from France either. I'm Franco-Ontarian, but we did have a property in Quebec. And over there, it's it's not a lawyer, it's a notary that looks after the deal, the okay. closing and things. And uh, you kind of clean like your dirty laundry together. So you hear about the couple that's buying, that they're divorced, and who's putting in how much money and all that. Yeah. And also, that's when you find out about your mortgage penalty, right there on signing at closing. So that was an experience for us. We're like, oh, wow, um, it was quite a hefty penalty. And wow. we were I like to find that out ahead of time. <laughs> well, that's it. So over there, I guess they do it. And you're like, oh, too late. It's done. <laughs> so anyway, never again. Sorry if there's any Quebecers listening, but I don't buy there anymore. <laughs> um, but at, the bank was really good with us. So it was actually a portable mortgage. And we were able to use that penalty to buy this condo that my mom rented. So that's what, what got that? us. I use a it. penalty to buy what, do you, what does that mean? <laughs> so, you know, mortgages, uh, the penalties are quite big. So this time it was around $15,000. It was a cheap condo that we bought. Yeah, I've paid even $20,000 for breaking a mortgage. So mortgage terms are very important to read. <laughs> that I learned the hard way. But thankfully, it was a portable mortgage. So because it's portable... And because of the way it was set up in Quebec, we paid that out of the payout after the sale. And we were able to use it as a down payment for our next purchase. Oh, so they'll give it kind of back to you whenever you put another mortgage on. Yeah, minus some fees, but I think it was like $400. So it really helped. Yeah, that's it. 400 bucks. Or fifteen thousand. I'm like, that's fine. We'll go with the fifteen thousand. Does the property have to to be in the same province? 
Yeah, no, we bought in Ontario. Okay, so, all right. cool. Yeah, I, my mom lived very close to me. She's like, I want out of my house. I'd like to rent a condo and let's go shopping. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how it started. Yeah. Okay, and so then, then let's continue through this. How do you, how do you get through all these properties? <laughs> or or wherever way you want to go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. So this one I was, uh, that's Hawkesbury. So it's the last little town before you go to Quebec. So in Ontario, if you look at the map, we're right at the end of Ontario in a weird little warp zone. No one knows. But anyway, I owned a house. My mom owned the condo, well, rented the condo from me, not, not far from there. And then we looked in town, but it's a small town, not the best place to invest. And it's hard to get good tenants. So I started looking at what else can I afford? So I invested in Cornwall, Ontario. So again, Eastern Ontario yep. uh, and Cornwall was very undervalued back then. And that was an hour, an hour drive from my place. So it's like, oh, not too bad. Not too bad yeah. And then I got a second one uh, in Cornwall and this was going well. And then we decided to sell our house in a small town and move to Ottawa where we live now. Um, but then, yeah, the Ottawa house was a lot more than small town. Um, and then uh, we hit the financial wall. So now we had four properties and then the bank started saying no, which is very typical. Yep. So then we started looking for other people's money, creative ways to invest. And then we got joint venture partners to buy in New Brunswick. Okay. So I liked the price point. It reminded me of Cornwall. <laughs> and uh, the laws were quite good in New Brunswick. So you can evict tenants if they don't pay or trash the place. There's damage deposits and different things. And yeah, we took it from there. So we went up to seven properties in uh, New Brunswick. Uh, some we own personally and some in joint ventures, some in corporations. Um, but not still in Canada. But then, as you know, Canada went up in price quite a bit. So then I started looking again at a different market and that's where Detroit came up like houses for 150,000 US still, but it's under 200,000. That's really cheap. So yeah, uh, it just made sense cash flow and everything. Yeah, I know that does. That sounds like fancy houses in Michigan. I just had an interview uh, last week and the guy was buying like $30,000 houses in Michigan. So yeah, yeah. No, you can go all kinds of different things. Um, so you're doing a lot of distance real estate, real estate, sorry, real estate. Um, what kind of due diligence are, do you, do you go see all these properties? Yeah. So normal, well, not at first, so it depends. I usually identify a market. So I look at the market fundamentals. So my investments in Moncton, New Brunswick, I looked at the city. I found it quite interesting. There's tons of construction cranes everywhere. Lots of good employers, there's actually a big shortage of employees. So that's a good sign for sustainable growth. And it's very diversified. So Detroit, same idea. I know it sounds scary, uh, abandoned streets and things. But I mean, if you think about it, uh, you're from Ontario originally. So, so I lived in southern Ontario and Hamilton. That was a scary city. London, I lived in London for a few years. All of downtown was abandoned. Small town, St. Thomas. That's stuff you didn't see as much in Eastern Ontario. So I kind of got used to seeing dilapidated cities with potential. Like Southern Ontario is now more expensive than Eastern Ontario, but for many years, it was not the case. 
it was actually a lot more expensive Ottawa than living in London or Kitchener, Waterloo. Those places were quite affordable and unemployment was much higher. Ottawa is because of the government. So as you know, uh, government jobs, lots of security. Um, but Detroit, I saw something there. I mean, an undervalued city right at the edge. There's uh, bridges, tons of um, shipping and things and manufacturing and everything going to electric. So companies are retooling. And so I just saw a huge opportunity there. And yeah, yeah and I used uh, OPM to invest there. I love the borrowing and lending system in the US is, is very different than in Canada. It's more like commercial for foreign nationals anyway. Yes, yeah, no, I totally, totally understand that. So if someone was looking to invest in New Brunswick or Michigan or, or somewhere else, what, what would they, like what kind of things do they need to do first? I'm yeah, <laughs> so you have to look at the market. Uh, first of all, is it going to sustain that purchase? Uh, is it a boom and bust economy? It can be, but I mean, what? how can you mitigate that risk? Then look for a potential power team. So wherever I buy, I like to buy several properties and have uh, for economies of scale, like um, in Michigan, it's not as relevant, but in New Brunswick, snow removal is a big deal. Right. So if you have several properties, you can shop for a big snow removal company to do them all and you get a better price. So look for those economies of scale. Is it possible to scale as well? Is this a saturated market? Um, and also local issues. So in Ontario, there's quite a bit of um, arguing with landlord and tenants, with the landlord and tenant board. Is that something you want to get into? Um, also the city, how does the city deal with people and investors? In Ottawa, where I live, it's quite stringent. You need pest control systems and all kinds of regulations for just one apartment. Oh. So really it's not so appealing. How much work do you need to put into it? Uh, real estate is supposed to be kind of passive. So is it going to be, and are there lots of choices for property management? Uh, Cause you have to go through several until you find the right one. That's been my experience everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so are there more than one? Because I see a lot of investors investing in small towns, very remote. Yeah, it's very appealing, good price point, but no one wants to manage the property. So it does make it hard. And a resale, how liquid are your properties? If you buy them, can you resell them fairly easily? Or are you stuck with them for 10 years or 40 years? <laughs> <laughs> so those are all things I look at. And then the actual building, yeah, construction, is it a flood zone, all that fun stuff. But Cool. When I started investing in the U.S., I did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that. GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. A 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over Zoom from the comfort of your own home. Classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions. Shortcut the process. Make fewer mistakes. Curriculum available at GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. So on your projects, do you do a, a renovation or you buy them in pretty good shape or what, what kind of stuff are you, what's your strategy on this? It really depends. So usually it's a lighter renovation, like flooring, painting, maybe upgrading some bathrooms and kitchens, but it's never structural. We're never getting into basement, like putting in new foundations and things. I 
Yeah, I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> I'm not very handy. And of course, I hire out, but I do like to go. Yeah, just like right now, I'm working on some projects in Alberta, in Calgary. So I will be flying down there during winter of all times to go look after projects. Beautiful season there. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're, you're doing the light renovations. And I totally get not doing the basement structural stuff because i honestly stay away from that stuff too i yeah. get into the hvac and the, the plumbing and electrical often but yeah that's not so bad it depends so bad. depends yeah um and so <clears throat> even for your your property in the u.s um it sounds like you didn't use a canadian lender uh you're using like the american lending system uh do you have plans to refinance this property or what's the the future of that Yes. Yeah, so actually I use Canadian funds. So we had to buy it cash. This deal, it was like a turnkey project. And that's why it was a fancy house at 150. Uh, we had to buy it cash. So I actually found a joint venture partner to bring in the cash. And now the property was appraised for 250,000. So we got 70% loan to value. We pulled all the money out basically. And now we're buying more. So I'm just uh, analyzing properties and looking for the next uh, right purchase. So if you got 75% loan to value, you were using, you got the JV partner to qualify with one of the Canadian banks, I'm guessing? No, so we got 70% loan to oh, value, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, with Lendai. Yeah, okay, cool. No, I, I was just curious how, how what, what, which way you were going with that, because it is a lot... Uh, I was like, 75% is high. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> probably deal with the Canadian banks to do pull No, out. that's it. Like RBC will go up to 80, TD as well. Um, BMO Harris, I'm not sure, but yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I, I went through, I've, I've ran down that path as well. Yeah, anyway. Um, cool. So what's the, what's the future plans of this? Are, are you planning on doing uh, more in Michigan? Are you planning on going into... Uh, Alberta more like what, what's where do you see this the opportunity right now yeah so I like to have a variety it's important to have multiple currencies so that's why now I have U.S. money coming in not much but it's a start and I do want to do a lot more I'm looking at Florida right now and uh, more in the northern states I think there is great potential in Ohio Illinois uh, Iowa has a lot of great deals so I have to be careful not to spread out too much. So, <laughs> but I do want to find like two key markets where I keep investing. I think Detroit has tons of potential. And like I said, I like to buy at least three properties in the same market. So I want two more in Detroit. I'm not sure when, but I want at least two more. Yep. And Florida, same thing. Uh, Alberta, I think is awesome um, because you can do whatever you want with rent and, and tenants, not in a bad way, but if, <laughs> if they're not good tenants, you can move on part ways and everybody's happy. So I see great potential there and, in, and appreciation in the future. I think it's very undervalued, uh, especially the big cities like Edmonton and Calgary. Yep. Um, I also want more fun properties. So that's why I started investing in Costa Rica. Uh, my, my number one criteria now is fun. Is it fun? Then does it make business sense and all that, of course, but fun is number one. So I think there, that's going to be an amazing project. Yeah. Before I want to touch on Costa Rica a little bit before we do that, how do you, how do you find your deals? Are they MLS realtor properties or do you have some you know, wholesalers? Do you do your own marketing? I'm just curious. It depends on the market. So 
in uh, in New Brunswick, it's with with a realtor, uh, just through MLS or like stale listings or sometimes some pocket listings. Uh, in Alberta, again through a realtor, again kind of expired or stale listings. Yep, I think is a great spot. I do want to work with wholesalers, but so far. The deals I've looked at ended up in bidding wars. So it's like, well, that's just like MLS. So <laughs> not much better. And it could be good, but for me, it hasn't been uh, successful. Uh, in the US, it's through referrals. So people I know mentioned this deal or this person. And that's what I've done. Uh, in uh, Costa Rica, it's through the right club. So with the right club, we find investment opportunities. And um, yeah, that's that's how I found my my deals in Costa Rica. <laughs> and you're dealing with like Alberta, Michigan, uh, Costa Rica, Alberta. You're all over the map. Um, how do you keep this all organized? Do you have some sort of system, even if it's like a wall system or a computer system, or how, how do you keep all this together? Yeah, so I have virtual assistants that help me with bookkeeping and some tenant relations. So we do some of our property management ourselves. I do have staff in New Brunswick, uh, Alberta. Once I have more properties, I intend on replicating that model. But I also have uh, the different projects set up in, um, well, very uh, basic stuff. I use Google Drive, so I have different folders depending on who's the partner on which property and doing what. I also have properties in, in Ontario, so that adds to this mix. I'm trying to get rid of all that very soon, but anyway, we'll, we'll get there someday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, it's good to have, like I said, the teams, people checking in, and every month I do a report for my JV partners or my wife, who's my <laughs> business partner in all this. So yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of it. So it's, it's not a, that hard, actually. Uh, one, two, and three properties and up it's the same just uh, more volume cool and then costa rica is always anything tropical especially yeah time of year is always uh, very appealing um how do you how did that story go how did you transition there yeah so i've actually never been You've never been to costa rica <laughs> no i've been to costa rica it was beautiful oh no we um i had my kids quite young they're now adults so um at 23 and 25 my wife and I had our kids and then it was all about them. Now they're finally driving and we're able to just leave. So we didn't travel. Now we're, we were going to, but the pandemic started. So we're planning for the future. And Costa Rica, I, done, I did tons of research. It's a very interesting country, very stable economy for, uh, for uh, Central America. And there's tons of investors out there, um, Rob Brake and all kinds of people that have totally left Canada for Costa Rica. Yeah. So I thought, hey, if they're doing it, there must be something there. And the internet's great, so you can work remotely. Yeah. I could manage things remotely like I am doing from Canada. So that's my future plan. To, um, I own a cottage in Ontario. I want to be there summers and winters in Costa Rica. So that's cool. kind of it. And it makes business sense. The rent is quite high. and. So yeah, is the plan, nice I guess, place. to like short-term rental it when you're not there? Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Airbnb. That's what I do with my Ontario cottage. Yep. So I want to do the same out there. Um, that's why I got two as well. So we can kind of look after one when we're there. And then when we're back, we just subcontract the whole thing. 
Okay. And then, so when you're doing Airbnbs, do you manage the Airbnbs or do you have like a property manager do that? I, I actually manage well in Canada. So we'll see about Costa Rica, but I actually, cause those are under construction. They're brand new houses. So they're being built. Um, but again, using my virtual assistants, there's tons we can do uh, remotely. So we have um, like a management system, my virtual assistants, take care of all the bookings, all the questions, they order supplies, uh, shop for maintenance, whatever is needed. So I don't need to do much. It's, it's surprising. And then for other people that are looking to invest in say Costa Rica, what kind of price point are they looking for? And can you get a mortgage as a Canadian? It's not cheap. So the houses, for example, I got were three, three, 330,000 US dollars. And financing is pretty much non-existent. So you have to buy cash. Or if you're buying new builds, sometimes there is financing. So that's why I went the new construction route. I was able to get 70% loan to value from a local bank, Banco Nacional. And, um, but the interest rate is high as well, 7.15. So it's almost like private funds, but anyway, you're leveraging. So it sounds better. <laughs> well, and it does leverage. And if, if you're going to do $330,000 US and then, times two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's a lot of money. And just even your, by just even switching to a leverage, even if your interest rate is really high, your, yeah. your return is going to improve, right? The, the ROI is going to get better. Yeah. But if you buy existing housing, it's, almost impossible to get financing it's very hard and you're going to be looking more at 10 12 percent unless you're working with a builder oftentimes the builder have agreements with banks and there's scotia bank that's in costa rica so for canadians we do have an advantage and they work similarly as in the us so like it's like dealing with rbc usa as a canadian so scotia bank costa rica is similar to scotia bank canada same rules you need to apply and qualify and all that so interesting i might be jumping the gun here but uh have you had to set up your i guess it, you might be early because you still haven't closed it yet but getting your cleaning lady and any all that sort of stuff is there someone no. is there a package for that or do you have to go find it all on your own no there is so it's available i'm hoping actually not to have to use it because it's it's about 23 percent of the rent roll so that's that's a fair chunk of it um, I think I can do for it around 10% uh, with my experience, but I do want to go down there and build a team again and then feel comfortable and then delegate it. So my thought is with the purchase, uh, the closing is in September. I will use the services of the, the company that's there. And then when I head down there, I will build my own team and probably kick them out and start my own. <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 service at 23% is that like the building itself has its own service that does it or it's just like a, a third party company that does a whole bunch of buildings or what yeah. is yeah yeah it's a third party company that does um tenant well not tenant but um renter turnover so they clean the beds the housekeeping maintenance maintain the swimming pool uh, there's a gardener cuz there's a an indoor atrium and there's uh, green walls and things they have to maintain uh, so those are all things there and there's fruit trees and. Okay. And then, yeah. so you said you're getting 70% uh, leverage on that. Like, um, 
what kind of down payment do you have to build, put it down in order to start the build, the construction on that? Uh, it's around five, uh, 10%, sorry, 10%, 10 down. So I put 33,000 US, like roughly. And down there, they also recommend you get a corporation, not for the same reason as in the US. It's more for Canada. So the CRA, if you own in your personal name, you're now also owning properties outside of Canada. So they can come after you and your income and different things. But if it's a corporation out there, you're just a shareholder. So you're not um, True. Anyway, you're not a tax resident of Costa Rica. Same with the US. That's why you have the two co corporations and for liability. In Costa Rica, liability is not a as big of a deal it's always there but it's more like canada and i'm guessing though if you put this in a corporation you're not going to be able to work with scotia bank at all probably right no that's why i went with banco nacional but you can have the the um just like in in the us you can have the mortgage in your name but the title under your corporate name but it's not ideal it's it makes it harder and usually you end up at a lower loan to value but it, it's doable Okay, that's interesting. Um, anything else I should have asked you about Costa Rica, uh, Michigan, New Brunswick, Alberta, <laughs> anything at all? I'm, I'm, I'm really interested that the, especially this time of year with all the Costa Rica and yeah. around the world. Um, uh, Costa Rica, uh, the country has a huge variety. So if you're shopping there, think about who's your, who will rent that place. So I looked at some deals, they were gorgeous and a lot less expensive, more 150, 130, yep. but they were in a very remote area. And then I started thinking, oh, you have to fly to Costa Rica. Then it's a four and a half hour bus ride to get there or another internal flight within the country. Most people don't like that. They want to go to the main airport and within an hour drive, get to their destination. So I think that's one big thing to look at. It's nice, the jungle and all that, but if people want to experience it, they can take like a, an excursion, but the actual place is very important. Location, location, location still applies no matter what country. Uh, and also look for services. So if you're appealing to North Americans, we're used to certain stores and things. So again, it's, it's not all even, like some areas are not developed. Um, so that, yeah, that's, that's something I think is important for people to think about. And legal fees are quite high in uh, Costa Rica. So land transfer tax is not the same, but you pay like a stamp fee, rubber, rubber fee or something. It's in Spanish, so I'm translating. But um, yeah, you pay fairly high fees around land transfer tax and everything is around 4% probably of the purchase price. Uh, but property taxes are super low. It's like less than a thousand dollars a year. So that's pretty good. And water, you can, that that's what sold me on the country. You can just drink from the tap. So no tourista. You don't need. A, it's not like Mexico. You <laughs> just open the tap and drink it, and you're fine. So. And you you just mentioned Spanish. Is for me, I don't speak Spanish. Is is that going to be a hurdle, or was it fairly easy to overcome? Yeah, it's easy. Most people are bilingual. It's just that I speak Spanish, so I want to use it as well. But um, yeah, everything has to be in Spanish, but they all speak English, so they will translate everything for you. And oftentimes you have a document that's in Spanish with the English beside it. So 
That's it's uh, yeah. If you don't speak Spanish, you're you'll be fine. Especially the large centers. Um, maybe in the jungle, you might need to learn a few words. But otherwise, yeah. So far, everybody's bilingual. That's great. Very fluent. Like really good. Okay. Well, Francois, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Added lots of value. Answered a lot of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs>